It's a beautiful day. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> so today, we've already had our coffee. We've got the jitters going on. And we're going to talk to you about what's in the, some of the lessons in the appendix of this Rock Recovery Relationship Addiction book. And one thing that we have found, um, you go from codependency to relational dependency to trauma bonding to total bondage where you are stuck and you're in domestic violence. And you've not only lost your identity, you've lost your, your free will and your ability to make your own choices and to set yourself free because you've gotten yourself backed in a corner where you feel like all choices are rotten and so you just don't make any decisions because that decision-making power has been taken away from you for so long with somebody else telling you what to do and you think you can do it and then you get back in front of them and then all of a sudden you're like oh my goodness i gotta prop them up i gotta i gotta fix them i gotta help them i, I now they're they've went from being nice to being kind to love bombing me to uh, bullying me, to rejecting me, to name-calling, to throwing up my past, to turning my words against me, and now they're committing, they're, they're threatening suicide, <laughs> and they're making me the responsible for it. So in all of these things, well, um, you can only be responsible for yourself. You can only be responsible for your decisions, and you got to land this stuff squarely back on somebody else's shoulders. And you got to say to them, you got, you got to, if you're going to break up, break up in a very mature way, uh, gently, easily, backing up slowly, uh, unentangling yourself. It's like a ball of yarn that the cat plays with. It is in a hundred knots, and you're going to sit there for a couple of hours undoing those knots to roll it up in a ball <laughs> so that it's usable for somebody else. So your life is all knotted up. I want you to set, I want you to kind of name the knots that's in it and set and unravel one knot at a time. So we're going to talk about, in Appendix C here, about domestic violence. Once you break free and are triggered with any mention of the abuser's name, empowers yourself. Empower yourself. Reprogram your subconscious with the strength of God's Word. God is my protector. The Lord is my defender. The Lord will deliver me. So I, I think, well, when we get to this bondage stage, uh, there's a deliverance that needs to happen. And a lot of times when I, I'm fighting something for a year, two years, it's been a lifetime pattern to be in this fear, or it's been a deep wound that's ended in bitterness. I need a deliverance because I can get free from it for an hour, for two hours, for even a week. But as soon as I hear their name, as soon as I call, I'm triggered again and, and I'm stuck and I'm hyperventilating and I'm afraid and I'm running and there's nobody really chasing me. I'm really safe. But instead, I'm wanting to go back and rehearse that. I'm wanting to go back and fix that. I'm wanting. And sometimes it's just broke, and it's not fixable. Um, these are sometimes they're personality defects, and this person can't change. And if you've been with them for five years, ten years, twenty years, and they're the same, and you've got the same problems, they're they're not fixable. So you either radically accept where they're at, or you're like, I can't tolerate this anymore. I, I, I I'm suffocating. I'm losing myself. And when that happens, well, I have to go through the Psalms and write out maybe ten. 12 deliverance scriptures that says, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And I have to change my focus from the person that's tormenting me. 
I have to put the blood of Christ on them and walk away, shake the dust off my feet, and just pray those deliverance scriptures over my life every night, Lord. If you don't deliver me, I'm not going to be delivered. Lord, if you don't set me free, I'm not going to be set free. Because I can get myself free, but I'm not free in my mind because I've been in bondage so long that those, uh, those patterns, those brain patterns rehearse. So here's what I want you to do. Choose to trust God and not be afraid. Pray for this protection with a ch childlike faith. Lord, protect me, defend me, and deliver me from all my fears. This does not mean that you do nothing. You get counsel from a domestic violence shelter and from their attorney. You take out restraining orders or do anything else you need to do to protect yourself and your children from it or family. So the biggest power the abuser has over you is fear. This fear invokes our minds with the memories of the abuse as it is hap like it's happening right now. So your brain doesn't know that it isn't happening, but your in your body releases chemicals and goes into this emotional memory of past abuse. And we get really small and we hide and we isolate and we get fearful. And we got all these naysayers in our head telling us, oh, I would do that. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I would do And so you've stopped having your own thoughts. You've stopped being able to um, think from point A to point B. You, you can't think your way th through things because they're so confusing. So that's when I want you just to think God's words. It will take some awareness to be able to recognize the panic as an emotional memory and pull it up from your subconscious and remind yourself that you are safe and that it is now not. or not happening now. Tell yourself, it's not happening now. I'm safe. I can walk away. Yes, you're an adult. If you're an adult in a, in a domestic violence situation, you don't have any other option. The decision's already been made for you, and that's to get safe, to walk away. And you're not, uh, you, you know, this, this thing might cycle. They might throw you a breadcrumb. They might tell you they're going to change. But if this is a repetitive pattern, I just need you to walk away for a little while till you can get some distance and you can get your head cleared and you can get some deliverance from this person telling you what to think and who you are. Process what it is what it was that attracted you to this person. Write out the excuses you made for them and then how they triggered you now and what you are going to do to empower yourself. Rehearse what you will or will not say if you are face-to-face -face with them. Rehearse how you might be able to de-escalate the situation if you needed to. Often, if you just remove yourself from the line of their sight and get out of their crosshairs, they abuse them, each other, they abuse themselves, but they leave you alone. So sometimes the prudent sees evil and hides himself, and sometimes um, we want to stand our ground. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's time just to hide. It's time to just get out of their way because you've been in their crosshairs. You've, you'll wake yourself up in the middle of the night reasoning and rationalizing with an irrational person. And when that happens, you're in total torment. I need you to exit this relationship for just a bit till you find yourself. And that was Appendix C. And we're going to look at Appendix D, which, is, which I called Samson. Uh, which is self-absorption, and self-absorption equals betrayal. Lust and anger are siblings. You can't have a healthy relationship built on lust. Lust and anger are siblings. Once the lust is inflamed and cannot be satisfied, the jealousy begins and fires up the anger and ends in destruction. The lust didn't build trust. It turned on a fire that burns you both 
and destroys everything in its path. <laughs> so that's the reason I put a fire on the front of the book. <laughs> it's burning the whole forest down. <laughs> so that's what lust does. Lust will burn down your whole life. Even if the relationship could move from lust to tender passion to real and lasting love, it is so intense emotionally that it flares toxicity and not underlying loyalty. The trigger fear the, this triggers fear bonds and self-preservation behaviors. Hmm. Samson was an Israelite called by God before his birth to be a judge of Israel and to subdue the Philistine enemies. A judge of Israel was to keep himself pure, and his closest companions and his spouse were to be a follower of the one true God, Yahweh. But instead, Samson left his passion, let his passions direct him and dictate his morality. He was careless with his anointing from God and lost his God-given strength, and he was stronger than a thousand men. He killed a thousand men at one time with the jawbone of a donkey. So Samson's strength made him arrogant, and this self-absorbent attitude is, I get what I want. And eventually this rendered him a very weak, very weak person, uh, weak as any other man. He was blinded, and he was uh, grinding the grain with the oxen, and he was in captivity. Samson was powerless over his lustful appetites. Continually, he indulged in relationships with women who betrayed him. Samson fulfilled his call to subdue the Philistines. Philistines. Philistines, uh -huh. and did so for 40 years. But not out of his love for God. He only answered, he only ans answered his call when he was personally irritated, and he paid for the price for it. So read this story in Judges 14 through 16. So Samson... He, he was called as a judge to subdue the Philistines, and as long as he was the judge of Israel, for 40 years those Philistines were afraid, and they ran, and, they, and as long as he lived, um, they were subdued. And he actually killed more in his death, because he pushed down the walls of that Colosseum, got right in the center of it, and even though he was blind. And the last words he was saying was, Lord, avenge me my two eyes. <laughs> He was not saying, Lord, let me let me uh, answer that call on my life to subdue these people. No, he was still being a personally irritated. And so uh, this self-absorption led him to betrayal. Every woman he was with betrayed him. So now let's look what it looks like if you get out of a toxic relationship, if you get away from this lust and this betrayal. Uh, I call this one uh, jumping ditches. If you leave... A broken relationship who is unable to nurture you, be careful that you do not end up with a person who can nurture you momentarily, but without stability to sustain the relationship. You may be, you may just be jumping from one ditch to another and land in the exact same place or worse. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. <laughs> it's just you're going right from that frying pan right into the fire. <laughs> so I need you to be, I need you to get your independence where you can get away from everybody, go to the mountain with the Lord Jesus and literally sit. And you know, well, there was uh, years that I didn't do anything but hang out in the Psalms turn them around into prayers, and write them. I just wrote them in prayers to the Lord. Um, so next what we want to talk about is Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7 gives us the uh, symptoms of a seductress or a seducer. Attire of a harlot, loud, stubborn, feet don't stay home, 
in the streets, seducing, pursuing, fair speech. Yeah. So if you're uh, with a seducer, they're saying the same words that maybe um, a true friend would or a true lover that might be your future would but it comes with some things that could alert you if they're loud and stubborn there if their feet won't stay at home if um if they're uh have been around this pattern several times so we ourselves can be seducers and seductresses or be seduced through aren't being naive and when we are wounded and indulge improper attention seeking behaviors we develop patterns of selfishness and we end up uh being devoured or devouring others now this proverb 7 talks about the lure of the simpleton and what it's talking about is somebody who's naive and doesn't understand what's going on so let's see what Proverbs says 7 says about that void of understanding mm -hmm. hates instruction despise reproof going astray sluggard forward mouth froward froward froward, froward mouth following fully folly which, which is mischievousness Enticed, seduced. seduced, held in the choir of sin. Chords, and held in the held in chords the of sin. You're okay. On the path to hell, to the chamber of death. Oh, wow. So this is where a simple person will go. And you're going to know he's simple because he hates instruction. You correct him and he's like, uh-uh, you, you can tell me what to do. He's lazy. His mouth does not speak uh, kindness and good words, but maybe he's cursing and bullying. Uh, he's going after a mischievous thing. And, and now he's on the path to death and being uh, being held by um by the cords of sin and he doesn't even know it yet so a simpleton is someone without goals or direction in their life and they just go with whatever is in front of them they are easily led astray onto the wrong path in this sex crazed culture sex looks normal and like pleasure that will satisfy but it does not repetitive patterns of sexual indulgences with multiple partners will feed all other addictive behaviors and trigger a whole host of trauma wounds and immature inner core responses relationships recover recovery must be as intentional as substance use recovery emotional recovery must also be growing through character and practicing the fruit of the spirit so what i have found will is that if we get chemically sober then we've got to get emotionally sober. We've got to get some skills to navigate the trauma, the torment, the the anxiety, the fear, to detach from those things that are that are overwhelming, that's making us suffer, to put our spirit and our soul back together, to speak to ourselves correctly and kindly. Um, so let's look at what uh, it would look like the consequences if I follow my immorality, if I follow Chemical addiction, relationship addiction, emotional addictions. What's this going to look like? Dishonor. Stranger, strangers have wealth. Yeah, they get my wealth. Mourn. Our sin binds us. Gone astray. Brought to a piece of bread. Wow. What would it look like to be brought down to a piece of bread? <laughs> That'd be bad. That'd be really low. Burned. Mm -hmm. Destroyed soul. Mm. Wounded. Reproach. Led to the slaughter ends in death boy don't we see that 
we see that when when uh, when we get into relationship addictions it's very hard to untangle it and we get so focused on the other person and on this relationship that sometimes we those in recovery will lose their recovery and even if you're not uh, don't have that propensity to addiction, you're going to lose your own self. You're going to end up in a death of your goals, of your vision, of your dreams, of who you thought you were, who you wanted to be. If you have relationship addictions and get burned repetitively, read these verses often. Then as you grow in a desire to maintain sexual sobriety, work God's sexual sobriety plan. If you start a relationship and want to dominate or control the other person, you just triggered a bunch of junk. Back (laughs) up up. and wait. (laughs) Back up. (laughs) You can pray for a healthy relationship. It must start slowly and with intentionally and intentionality and a lot of accountabilities. Okay, so let's look at God's sexual sobriety plan. And this comes right out of Proverbs 7. Number one. Pay attention to wisdom. Okay, so if I'm paying attention to wisdom, uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, which means I'm going to respect and reverence and have awe for the Lord. Number two. Listen for instructions. So I'm going to be listening for God's instructions. I'm going to be looking for instructions in His Word. And I'm also going to be looking towards people that are more mature than me and, and taking their instructions and not having to learn the hard way, which seems to be a pattern for some of us. We won't mention any names, but okay. <laughs> Keep going. Number three. Depart not from God's Word. There you go. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Uh, no bed. Uh, no Bible. No bed. No Bible. No breakfast. You know, if you just make these things a rule and you just fight your flesh and you just sit down, at first it's going to be like choking on dry cereal and after a little while it's going to be peaches and cream and it's just going to be a habit and a part of your life. Don't go near sin. Yeah, go the other way. Receive instructions, reproof. Uh huh. Obey your teachers. Next. Keep commandments. And bind them where? On your heart. Yeah, bind the commandments on your heart. And the way you're going to bind the commandments on your heart, you're going to speak them to yourself. Number nine. Tie them around thy neck. <laughs> I used to do that literally. I'd write a scripture around, out on a three by five card, and I'd tie it around my neck, and that was the only thought I was allowed to think that day. And when I have a, had obsessive, looping, negative thoughts, or beating myself up, or whatever it is I was fretting about, I pulled that scripture up, and that was the only thing I was allowed to say to myself. Lust not. So you got to figure out when you're lusting, and you got to figure out that this is just a place of torment. It's just. Uh, deceptive because it feels more pleasurable than the anger or the suffering that you've been going through. But it's still just as dangerous and will land you in no good land. So what's the secret to all of this? Don't look. Yeah, don't look. Don't look. Don't look. If you if you know you're tempted over there, don't go over there. So Proverbs 4, 20 through 27 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole whole body above all guard your heart for everything you do flows from it keep your mouth free from perversity keep corrupt talk far from your lips let your eyes look straight ahead fix your gaze directly before you give careful thought to the past your for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways do not turn to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Mm. Turn your ear to your word of, of insight, that you maintain dis- 
discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil but in the end she is bitter as gall sharp as a double-edged sword her feet go down to death her steps lead straight to the grave she gives no thought to the way of life her path wanders aimlessly but she does not know it now then my son listen to me do not turn aside from what i say keep to the path far from her do not go near the door of her house lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel let strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another Hmm. at the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent you will say how i'm how i hated it how i hated discipline how my heart spurned Spurned. correction i would not obey my teacher or turn my ear to the instructors and i will and i was spoon or soon in serious trouble in the assembly of god's people drink water from your own cistern cistern running water from your own well should your springs overflow in the streets your streams of water in the public squares let them be yours alone never to be shared with strangers may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth a loving doe a graceful deer May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your past. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die led astray by their own great folly. By their own great folly. That was Proverbs 5. So when you get into Proverbs 4 through 7, you'll see what it looks like to have sexual sobriety and to be able to trust the Lord. And this was The Rock of Recovery. And this is Angie Meadows. And this is Will. And we love you.